0: Well, good morning, City Church. Thank you so much for the invitation to join you this morning and especially for the invitation to open the word. You know, while studying this letter to the church in Philadelphia this week, I thought about how wise John and the leaders of this church were to preach through these seven letters to the churches this summer. This, the, the message of these letters is so pertinent and so relevant to us today. Let me begin by telling you a powerful story about endurance. Almost 60 years ago, early on a July morning, blanketed with fog, a young woman named Florence Chadwick waded into the Pacific Ocean off California's Catalina Island. Have any of you been to Catalina Island? It's, it's just off the, uh, the coast of, of Long Beach, and it's a, it's a beautiful, rocky outcropping about 29 miles southwest of Long Beach. <clears throat> well, Florence's goal was to swim a marathon-type distance. She had trained for months to swim the 29-mile channel from the island to Long Beach. Now, long-distance swimming wasn't new to Florence. In fact, she had been the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. However, that day, the water was numbingly cold. And as she began her swim, she was flanked by several small boats with friends who watched for sharks and were prepared to help her if she got hurt or grew tired. Several times, sharks actually had to be driven away from Florence with rifle fire. After about 15 hours of fighting the deep swells in the ocean, an even thicker fog set in, and Florence began to doubt her ability to finish her swim. She told her mother, who was in one of the support boats, that she didn't think she could go on. But She put her head down and swam on for another hour. And then again, she said she didn't think she could swim another stroke. Her trainer urged her to keep swimming since she had already come so far. And they were just so close to land. But when Florence looked up, all she could see was thick fog. So she quit her marathon swim, and climbed into the boat. As she sat in the boat, warming herself with blankets, the fog suddenly lifted. And regretfully, she saw that she had stopped swimming only a half mile from the California shore. Later, she said, I'm not making excuses, but if I could only have seen the land, I might have made it. This morning, I want to help us to see the land, to see the prize, and to not give up, but to patiently endure to the end and gain the victory. Would you listen as I read the Lord's letter to the church in Philadelphia from Revelation three verses seven through thirteen. I'll be reading Revelation three verses seven to thirteen. It begins to the church or to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Write these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who's victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the word of God. This morning, we're going to look at the topic of patient endurance under three headings the necessity of endurance the power for endurance and the prize of endurance the necessity the power and the prize of endurance first the necessity of endurance the church of philadelphia was in the minority of the seven churches in revelation that you've been studying only two of the seven churches get only commendations from Jesus and no criticisms. The church at Smyrna and the church at Philadelphia. One of the churches gets only criticism and no condemnations, and the church, that's the church at Laodicea, and four of the churches get mixed reviews. <clears throat> so, what was the church at Philadelphia particularly commended for? Verse 8 says, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And verse 10 says, you've kept my command to endure patiently. There it is. Patient endurance. Jesus delighted in the Philadelphia church's patient endurance in the midst of suffering for the sake of his name. And he will delight in city church if you do the same. One thing we can all agree on, can't we, is that the cultural current in America has drastically shifted over the last couple decades. Right? There's a sense in which we're now living in a new Babylon. Alistair Begg says, we need to learn to live as a Christian in a society that increasingly does not like What Christians believe, they don't like what we say, and they don't like how we live. You know, for centuries in the West, and perhaps particularly in the United States, Christians have enjoyed a a cultural current that was largely in a Godward direction. But now, the wind of society is less at our backs and more in our faces, isn't it? A couple years ago, one of my, my best friends wanted to invite a, a couple of his friends to, to experience what rowing was like. And so on a Sunday afternoon, he invited us to go down to the University of Minnesota boathouse uh, on the Mississippi River and to learn how to row. And so in one afternoon, we, we were first taken into this large training room where we were seated at a rowing machine, and we were taught how to row—that you you row not so much with your arms, but you row more with your with your legs. And so, for about forty minutes or so, we were we were taught how to row on these rowing machines. And then then came the moment of truth. We were taken out uh, onto the, the Mississippi River, and so there at the pier was a, a boat that we climbed in, and then we started to row with real oars. Now. This was more difficult than, <laughs> than you could imagine. And, and, and then not only to learn how to do that, but to, to row in, in, uh, in sync with one another, right? <laughs> and, and so this was, was quite difficult. And after about 25 or 30 minutes, we were finally starting to get the hang of it. And I looked over to, to my, my, the side of the boat, and you know what I saw? I saw the pier that we had pushed off from. (laughs) 25 minutes of rowing, and we had gone nowhere. (laughs) Now, why was that? Because of the the swiftness of the current of the Mississippi River. We were rowing upstream, and we had all we could do just just to hold, hold our place, right? For the first time, perhaps, we need to learn how to live as followers of Jesus in Babylon. And we find the resources to patiently endure. We find those resources in God's word. The experience of most of God's people for most of the scriptures was that of living as a minority in a society that at best didn't understand them and at worst actively opposed them. In verse 10 of our text, Jesus tells us that an hour of testing is coming upon the whole world. We best get ready for it. Let me tell you a little bit bit about what the last year was like at Hope Academy. Just like the, the pictures that you're now seeing of Hurricane Henri barreling towards New York City, Hope Academy experienced a perfect storm almost beyond measure last year, a a trifecta of trials that tested our very ability to endure. Any one of those three would have been a a once-in-a-hundred-year kind of event, and yet we experienced three all at one time. There was first the COVID pandemic, which meant that we had to reimagine the entire way that we did school at Hope Academy. <laughs> we had to go from an all-in-person school with very little technology to one where we were giving a device to every, <laughs> every student and giving our, some of our, our students the option of doing distance learning all the time. Every event that we did in the school had to be reimagined and redone. Those events that Jamie told you about, about Parent Involvement Day or home visits or or things like the Christmas concert, every event that we did had to be reimagined. It was like starting from from scratch. And all of our teachers, especially the ones that had to teach both in person to students and, and distance learning at the same time, they had to to spend like two to three hours every night recreating their lessons so that they were able to to meet both groups of of students. It was so hard, right? We had had put a a temperature scanner in the entryway of our school so that every, every person, as they came into the building, they had their temperature scanned. Everybody wore a mask. Everybody had plastic Plexiglass around their, their desk. Right? They, the students stayed in cohorts, uh, in, in groups, all day long. And During passing time in the upper school, you know, where usually you'd have students doing the passing, now the teachers had their things on carts and they were the ones who did the passing. And the students stayed in their, in their rooms. This was such a challenge for us. Second, we had the traumatic race riots associated with the George Floyd murder. You, you know that, that, that George Floyd murder took place only 10 blocks from Hope Academy. And this, this was, was a, an, amazing, an amazing thing in terms of the, the trauma of seeing our neighborhood burn down. The neighborhood that I've lived in for 30 years, the, the target that I go to, the cub that I go to, right? The, the, those were all right right in, in my neighborhood, up and down Lake, Lake Street, where, where I and, and many of our families live. And then on top of, of those two things that it, what, is that we had a homeless encampment in Hope Academy's backyard for months. There was a homeless encampment right in, in, our, in Hope Academy's playground. And so we were unable to use, unable to go outside during the, during the school day. Now, imagine a perfect storm like that. And our ability to endure was, was severely tested. So, endurance is is necessary, isn't it? Jesus himself said that the one who endures to the end will be saved. So if we've established that, that patient endurance is necessary, where does the power for endurance come from? Patience isn't highly va- a highly valued fruit of the Spirit in our day, is it? <laughs> we live in a day of of. Instant credit. In in fact, I think you can get an instant home mortgage in 15 minutes. We live in a day of same day shipping, fast food, fiber internet. We despise waiting for anything. And we're particularly not good with enduring pain and suffering. Imagine what it was like just a couple hundred years ago when there was no anesthesia, just a stick to put between your teeth when they were going to amputate your leg. How are we? (laughs) we are going to patiently endure the painful testing that Jesus promises us. Things come into our lives that are unplanned, unexpected, and either very frustrating or sometimes very painful. And the question is, is it possible to be patient with all the unexpected, frustrating things that come into our lives? Let me suggest that Christ is the key to patient endurance. (laughs) Christ is both the power and the prize for faithful endurance. In particular, embracing the providence of God enables us to be patient and faithful in the unexpected trials of life. Do you see Jesus signaling this in our text? Right at the beginning of the letter to the Philadelphia church, he says, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. (laughs) What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. That's what God's providence means. In his new book entitled Providence, John Piper says, God has shown us again and again in his word that things are not what they seem, and that he's always weaving something wise and good out of the painful, perplexing threads that look like a tangle in our lives. His word shows us that he's doing something good in every one of our lives. Yes, he is, isn't he? The key to patient endurance is faith in the all embracing, all guiding, all wise, all gracious providence of God to transform all the trials of his children into rewards. Can we not then write in big letters as a heading over our lives and over every frustration, oh, Satan, you meant it for evil? God meant it for good, right? Can Romans 8.28 really be true? Can it be believed that owing to God's all-pervasive, embracing, wise, and gracious providence, he's working everything together for our good as his children? Let me close with uh, an example of patient endurance from one of our students at Hope Academy. Rosalina was a seventh grader last year. The 13-year-old lives with her mom and four younger siblings in a cramped two-bedroom apartment near Lake Street in Nicollet. When Hope Academy was required by the state to transition to online instruction a year and a half ago, Rosie used her phone to attend school so that her two younger school-age siblings could share the single Chromebook that Hope Academy provided her her family. Rosie was also the primary caregiver to her siblings during the day while her mom was at work. Sometimes Rosie couldn't come to her online class, but she always emailed her teachers to let them know she was going to miss. And she asked them to record their lessons so that she could watch it later that evening. Imagine writing an essay on a phone. By sheer diligence and a desire to do her best, Rosie was still able to keep her grades up. On the Monday morning following the riots that shook our city last year, one of Rosie's teachers reached out and called her to check in and find out how she was doing. She said she was scared, but her family was unharmed. Afterwards, Rosie texted her teacher and humbly asked if she could Maybe bring her a few quarters for their laundry machine because the Wells Fargo bank down the street had burned down. Rosie often volunteers to pray at the beginning of class. You know what she usually reminds her classmates? She reminds them that God is good all the time despite obstacles most of us can't even imagine. She got an A in math last spring. (laughs) Rosie's got grit and faith in a faithful God. And finally, what's the prize for faithful patient endurance? (laughs) You you heard it in in this letter. The prize of endurance is the promise of his presence. Did you hear it? I'm coming soon. <laughs> That's a promise of the prize of his presence. It's the prize of endurance is the promise of a new place. Did you hear that? It said, "You will be like a pillar in the new temple." <laughs> in God's presence is fullness of joy and eternal pleasures. Are at his right hand. That's the prize of patient endurance. The prize of endurance is the promise of new citizenship. You and I will be recognized as a citizen of the new Jerusalem. And finally, the prize of endurance is the promise of a new identity, a new name. He says, you will receive the name of my God and you will receive Jesus' new name. His presence, a new place, (laughs) right? A new citizenship, a new identity. Patient endurance magnifies the object of our hope. Whatever our hope is in is magnified by our patient endurance. Well, nothing magnifies God's goodness and greatness like patience. It magnifies his unfailing faithfulness to all his promises. It magnifies his infinite wisdom. It magnifies his incomparable power. It magnifies his glorious love. City Church, Jesus is coming. Soon. Hold on to what you have in Christ so that no one will take your crown. You know, I've never heard the truth of God's providence put so beautifully as in William Cowper's hymn, God moves in a mysterious way. Listen, listen to it, and, and receive the blessing of that. You fearful saints. Fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessing on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace behind every frowning providence. God hides. A smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Would you pray with me, Lord? We know that a time of trial and testing is coming upon us. We can we can see it coming in in the distance. We're already receiving the the headwinds of that that opposition, of persecution, unlike anything that 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 I've ever known in my lifetime. And Lord, we will need to stand on the rock of Christ if we're going to patiently endure to the end and gain the prize, gain the victory. Lord, I ask in Christ's name that you you would come and you would help City Church to do just that. For his glory and for their good.